You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Today, I've got special guest, Brendan Boylan, who is with us. He is going to be our um, Saints specialist for the day. Now that I've spent so much time getting everything wrong about the Saints and telling you how terrible they are and how easily we're going to win this game and it's a piece of cake, um, he's going to uh, tell you that I've been wrong about absolutely everything. So, Probably a little bit out of order, but thank you very much, Brennan, for uh, for joining us and giving us a little bit of insight into the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Always excited to talk football. Uh, we were just talking before you started recording. Leaves start changing. Uh, weather starts getting cooler. You know, football season's right here. And I know for Saints fans, uh, there's some more serious things uh, that have been happening in that coast, uh, the Gulf Coast region and that neck of the woods. But I know Saints football – uh, is always a great way to get your mind off some things. And, and hopefully New Orleans is able to come back to New Orleans uh, with a victory. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's all fun and games and, you know, go Packers and, you know, hopefully we're going to smash the Saints and all that stuff. But uh, in, on a serious note, you know, all the thoughts and prayers to the people out there, if any Saints fans watching or whatever, hopefully you guys are doing all right. And uh, hopefully we can kind of, like you said, get our mind off it. You mentioned before we got started the litany of places where people can find you and your, your many, many accomplishments and all that. I couldn't stash that in my brain. Can you do me a favor and just kind of run through uh, where people can find you and all that good stuff? Yeah. So Brendan Boylan, you can find me on Twitter at BT Boylan. Uh, some of the Saints fans that have been following me, you know me from my time with the Saints News Network. I've been with them since, man, like 2015. Uh, and we're on si.com forward slash NFL forward slash Saints. You can follow my Saints podcast with Overtime Media, uh, the Houdat discussion. You can follow them on Twitter at the Houdat Dis, D I S. Uh, and on Twitter, it's Saints. I do some ESPN uh, commentary for collegiate sports in the Southeast region. And uh, some of you guys also know me as, as a film producer. So, you can follow me there, catch everything. Uh, I'm just super grateful and, and super glad that I've been able to cover uh, just a great team and a great organization for as many years as I have. Yeah, and I think I was listening to your most recent uh, podcast. Sounds like you were saying you're going to be doing your breakdown for the Saints Packers, uh, I believe this coming Saturday. So if you want another insight into that, be sure to check out Who That Discussion. Uh, it's a great podcast, and uh, it'll just give you a little bit more insight into this upcoming game one of the 2021 NFL season. So uh, we did get quite a few questions from everybody. Thank you for Twitter and Facebook. Um, I just want to kind of start off, though, generally with the New Orleans Saints because the Packers are in a very, very similar situation to where you guys were, I guess, last year. Um, our salary cap is a mess. We're worried our quarterback might not be here next year. Uh, there's, there's a range of emotions from everything will be fine to we're going to lose everything next year. We have to cut everybody, and we're going to be a two-win team for the next 30 years. Um, could you – can you kind of uh, give us an idea of sort of the emotional roller coaster, some of the fears and things that you guys went through, um, and then also kind of where you're at right now, maybe alleviate some of the concerns. Are you guys going to be like a two-win team? Is it is it over for you? You're done forever? Or is there a little bit of optimism and, and a light at the end of the tunnel? Well, let's start with the beginning of that question, right? I think for a lot of Saints fans, the concern wasn't so much during the 2020 season. It was once the season ended. 
uh, and the way that it ended and losing a game inside the Superdome. Um, you know, Drew Brees with that final look over his shoulder, um, looking back at the dome one last time before he went into the tunnel. I think at that moment you realize like, oh, it's over. Um, at that point, you knew. I don't think that yeah. was really a concern going through the season. So you get to the off season and you go, we're in cap hell. We're a hundred million dollars over the cap. How are we going to make this work? And for Saints fans, it wasn't too difficult because you knew, well, Mickey Loomis has always found a way of restructuring contracts in a weird way. Uh, the one that has made memes and Twitter famous is the restructuring of Taysom Hill's contract where he essentially signed a four-year, hundred-plus million-dollar extension that is completely voidable. Um, and that way it gave the Saints – cap relief going into the season so if you guys are worried about cap there are a gazillion different ways to do that the saints just right. did that with their trade with bradley roby uh they converted his base salary into a signing bonus so he's only one million dollars against the cap this year so there's a million ways to go about that the quarterback situation in green Bay to new orleans is completely different um we knew drew was coming to the end unfortunately yeah. uh his arm strength wasn't quite there. And then you see the list of injuries he played through in 2020. It's, it's just incredible. A torn rotator cuff, torn ligaments in his foot, the multiple bro broken ribs, the punctured lung. I mean, all of that's incredible. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers, it's a little different because you guys didn't even know uh, as Packers fans, if he was going to be coming back to play this year, or if it was Jordan Love's season. Uh, and now you have this, is Devonte Adams going to re-sign a contract or is he gone? as well. It just seems like there's a lot of front office problems. Now here's the positive sides. If you're, if you're a green Bay fan, green Bay consistently has been a really good football team because of their quarterback play. And while not everybody's bought in on Jordan love, the fact that you bring them in and you give them multiple years to sit and learn under Aaron Rodgers, I would not dare say it's a Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers kind of handing of the torch but it's similar. It obviously worked the first time. You guys are trying to do something kind of similar the second time, draft someone late in the first round, let them sit, let them learn. But when it comes to New Orleans going into this year, I think the national media made it a lot bigger than it was. Listen, the Saints return a lot of talent from last year's roster. They obviously had to lose a lot of talent from last year's roster to get under that $100 million cap we were talking about. Um, you lose guys like Janoris Jenkins. You just replaced him with Bradley Roby. You lose a guy like Trey Hendrickson, who had 13 and a half sacks last year for the Saints. He signed a massive deal with the Cincinnati Bengals uh, to replace him. You draft Peyton Turner in the first round. You also have Marcus Davenport, uh, who's had a roller coaster of an NFL career since he was a uh, first round draft pick and a pick where we actually traded with the Packers uh, to move up in that draft a few years ago. Uh, and then obviously you lose Drew Brees. Uh, well, you replace him with Jameis Winston, who, while there's plenty of people that can go back to his Florida state days and the immaturity. You could go to the Tampa Bay days where he just was a turnover machine. The guy's really matured. Uh, he showed in week two of the preseason that, Hey, he can be a solid quarterback. I know it was Jacksonville. Not a lot of people expect Jacksonville to be a good team, but to go nine of 10 on three drives, score two touchdowns and, and throw two touchdowns uh, just on the money. I think Jameis proved he could be a good quarterback. Now I don't think the saints are going to be where they were, the last few years. Remember, they've won the division, the NFC South, for four consecutive seasons. I think it's yep. Tampa Bay's to lose. I could see the Saints be uh, a 10-7 and seven team, and that's going to take 
uh, some getting used to to saying, right? You want to say 10 and six so bad, but 17 game regular season now. Right. The Saints could easily be a 10 and seven team. When it comes to the Packers in the, in the future, you have a great running back in Aaron Jones. I think he's one of the most underrated and underappreciated backs because you have the Derrick Henrys, you have the Alvin Kamaras, you have the Dalvin Cooks. And, and honestly, he does a lot of things Dalvin Cook does really well. He does a lot of things that Alvin Kamara does really well. And he might be a better inside the tackle runner than Alvin Kamara is. He's super talented. You have that going for you. Uh, you have a defense that has been pretty steady over the years, not great, uh, but certainly not at the bottom of the league either. So Packer fans, enjoy the season as it goes. You know, this is probably your last with Aaron Rodgers before he departs, but it's not like the quarterback leaves and everything else falls apart. You guys have a good foundation. Uh, you have some really good players that you know will be returning uh, to you guys next season, but enjoy the ride while you can. And trust me, and Packers fans, you know it better than I do because you guys have been following the team for however many years that you have. This is a top-notch franchise in the NFL with one of the best fan bases in, in all the football. And you know that they're going to put a solid product out on the field. You know Lambeau Field's a very def difficult place to win football games, regardless of how good or bad that team is. You guys are going to be perfectly fine. Some of these Saints, these uh, comments are ridiculous, by the way. I look forward to getting to those. Um, one of the questions that I uh, was asked earlier so there's a, there's a lot of consternation among Packer fans kind of split. Um, they're a very conservative organization. They like to do things very cautiously. Um, one of the areas in which they're very conservative traditionally has been with the salary cap. They don't quote unquote, go all in. Um, and a lot of people appreciate that. I think I tend to lean that way a little bit. A lot of people are very frustrated saying we should have won more Super Bowls because they're too conservative. Looking at the Saints situation, would you say sort of kind of pushing real hard to get, get that Super Bowl while Drew was there and kind of doing what was, what ended up happening to the cap? Would you say that it was worth the last few years to do that? Or do you think maybe in hindsight, having not won, um, maybe taking care of the cap a little bit better would have been the more appropriate way to go? I think going all in, um, especially because you had a window. And I talked to somebody about this the other day. In, in the NFL, you don't get a whole lot of real windows for opportunities like you do the NBA, uh, where you can put a big three together and you can just go at it for the four years that you're under contract. The Saints truly had a four-year window from 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. Obviously, 2017, uh, the Minneapolis Miracle. 2018, the NOLA no-call. 2019, you just come out flat against Minnesota. And then 2020, um, shoot, Devin White said it, uh, the Buccaneers linebacker, just last week. If the Saints would have beat the Bucs, uh, Devin White believes the Saints would have won the Super Bowl. So I think going in, all in, winning the division titles, being one of the winningest teams in football over the last four years and over the last decade, the Saints were top five in wins. Um, so, no, I think going all in for the Saints was a positive thing. And honestly, and you can play what ifs all you want. You can play what ifs and say, well, if it was a full crowd in the Superdome uh, last year against Tampa Bay, does that affect the game? Do the Saints not, you know, drop their lead? Perhaps. 2019, they just came out flat. There's no excuse for that. 2018, the NOLA no-call. I think we can all be honest with ourselves. And if the Saints get that flag, they get the call, they kick a field goal, they go to the Super Bowl, they're probably beating uh, one of the weaker Patriot teams of the Patriots dynasty. And then 2017, if the Minneapolis miracle doesn't happen, you never know what happens. It would have probably been a really nice NFC championship game. And from there, who knows? But, you know, the Saints should have won at least one, in my opinion. 
and going all in was all worth it. So I kind of want to start ripping through some of the roster here. Um, sure. I'm assuming, because it seems to be pretty unanimous that everybody seems to agree and correct me if I'm wrong, that Jameis is the right guy for the job. Um, as far as, uh, you know, picking quarterback between he and Taysom, especially when you consider what Taysom can do as a non quarterback, you have that factor as well. But the other question or, or the thing that I've popped have seen pop up quite a bit that has kind of shocked me and a lot of Packer fans is the idea that Jameis either is or could very possibly be an upgrade over Drew Brees. Do you, do you think that that's a, a reasonable expectation to say that he's going to be an upgrade, at least over his last year? Or do you think that uh, there should be a little bit more, um, how do you put it, uh, reservation about, you know, we can be okay, but we shouldn't expect better than Breeze? I think that's a really that's a really interesting question that has a lot of different layers to it. I think that Jameis is an upgrade immediately in terms of arm strength. Sure. And, and like I said, I mean, just over the last few years for Drew, as much as I've really enjoyed watching Drew and covering Drew, and a lot of people forget some of those prime years of Drew Brees was 2012 through 2015, 2016, when the Saints were just bad. And if you go back and watch some of that tape, I mean, he made incredible throws. You look at the game where – him and Eli Manning dueled it out for 13 total touchdowns in the Superdome. And I think it was like 52 to 49 victory for the Saints. I mean, Drew Brees won games like that for the Saints on his own all the time. I don't think it's an upgrade because of all the things that Drew meant to the team. The fact that you had Drew and Sean Payton together for 15 years, it was as much Drew Brees' playbook as it was Sean Payton's playbook. And it was scary how how those guys were, they were like twins. They had telepathy. They, they knew yeah. exactly what each other wanted. So in that sense, no, Jameis is not an upgrade because you have a guy who hasn't started an NFL game in over a year. Obviously his last year as a starting quarterback, you can point to the 5,000 yards um, in 16 games and say, that's incredible. You can look at the 30 plus touchdowns and say, that's a really good year. But then you look at the 30 interceptions. Uh, and you look through all of Jameis's young career and the turnover problem. Now, I think under Sean Payton's offense, and Jameis has alluded to it as well in some of his interviews, is that he's going to be asked to be more of a game manager than a gunslinger. And you have that luxury because you have one of the best running backs in the league behind you. And when healthy, you have one of the best receivers in the league in Michael Thomas, who's going to miss at least six weeks because uh, he was put placed on uh, performance. Wow. I can't even talk physically unable to perform list um, this before the start of this season. So I don't think Jameis is necessarily an upgrade um, overall. I do think it brings a different dimension to the new Orleans saints offense. You're going to be able to stretch the field a little bit more. Uh, like I said, you certainly saw that against Jacksonville in week two of the preseason. And you're going to be able to take a little bit more of these shot plays that saints fans really haven't seen over the last four years. So in the sense of being able to stretch the field and add another layer to the offense, I think Jameis is an upgrade in terms of leadership, in terms of being able to understand the playbook through and through, be on the same page as Sean Payton, be able to line up receivers where they need to go to be able to just pick apart defenses. Uh, Drew did it like no other. And I don't think that's replaceable. I think Jameis can certainly learn. Jameis can certainly prove to be um, a top quarterback in the league again, maybe a top 15, top 10 quarterback uh, this year. If And that's the ceiling. But no, he's not an upgrade over Drew Brees overall, just in the arm strength. 
So since we're on quarterback, what kind of a role do you envision for Taysom Hill in, in, in this game? Because, you know, from our perspective, trying to look at um, what the Saints are going to do in this game, obviously we don't have Michael, you don't have Michael Thomas, and we'll get into wide receiver in a little bit, but trying to figure out outside of Alvin Kamara, who's a big enough threat, um, who are the biggest guys to keep an eye on? Do you envision Taysom having a big non-quarterback role in this game? I think Taysom's going to have a big non-quarterback role throughout the season. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that the Saints are very inexperienced at the wide receiver spot. I think potential is a good word for the Saints, but uh, all you sports fans know potential is the scariest word in sports. So to answer your question, uh, Marquez Callaway had a terrific offseason training camp uh, preseason. He was the number one graded wide receiver uh, through the preseason by pro football focus grading out somewhere around 95 and uh, he's an undrafted free agent out of Tennessee last year he had uh, just under 250 yards receiving last year for the Saints didn't find the end zone I think he had 21 grabs uh, showed a lot of promise he's a bigger guy's not going to beat you with blazing speed uh, but he's a great route runner and he's probably going to be the number one receiver for the Saints this year wow. until Michael Thomas comes back um, Traquan Smith is a guy who can stretch the field. He did that very well, uh, when he was at central Florida and his time in the NFL has been a roller coaster as well. I mean, he caught drew Brees's record breaking, um, touchdown, which broke the yards record on Monday night against the, uh, Washington football team. That was back in 2018. He had a really good, uh, game a couple weeks later against Philadelphia that season, but he's been up and down in terms of injuries. Um, but if you look statistically outside of Michael Thomas, he's the next highest in terms of receiving touchdowns for the Saints uh, since he entered the league. So that's a guy to watch out for. And a guy that nobody's really talking about, and it's because he's been injured, but I, from everything I'm hearing, he's going to give it a go week one, is Adam Troutman. He was a third-round pick by the Saints uh, last season uh, out of Dayton. He was yeah. the Patriot League uh, Player of the Year. Big size, had his first career touchdown against Tampa Bay on Sunday night football last year, and he's going to be uh, tight end number one. And you know when the Saints have had tight ends in the past, everybody's mind goes immediately to Jimmy Graham, but Ben Watson had a really good year in mm -hmm. New Orleans. Jared Cook had a couple really good years in New Orleans outside of some drops in the end zone and, and obviously the big fumble in the divisional round against the Buccaneers last year, but the Saints have a plan for tight ends and how they're going to utilize and how they're going to attack defenses that way. Uh, so I would look at Adam Troutman maybe as the surprise guy. When it comes to Taysom Hill, he's going to be all over the field because he has to be. There's a lot of inexperience, um, and he's a matchup nightmare because he's quick enough to get away from linebackers. He can lower his head and, and give you the truck stick. You know, uh, there's going to be trick plays. I don't know if I'd call it week one, but – I predict at some point during the season, you're going to see Taysom Hill throw a touchdown pass to Jameis Winston because that's how Sean Payton's mind works. Right. Um, but Taysom's going to play a big role uh, for you fantasy people. I'm a fantasy guy, fantasy analyst. Uh, you can read all my work over at Sports Illustrated as well uh, when it comes to that. But Taysom's not going to be a fantasy play uh, week in and week out. But he's going to have enough impact on the game to be a very big piece of the Saints offense. Just don't expect him to, to – come away with like 10 receptions and, and three rushing touchdowns or anything like that. He's going to be a plug and play go, go gadget is the way I like to say it. I know some people say Jack of all trades. I like go, go gadget because you're just like, go, go gadget, Taysom, be a receiver, uh, go, go gadget, Taysom, go be a running back. Yeah. And he's able to just to play all those positions and he'll be used as a joker plenty in week one as well.
Well, we're covering a lot of ground here, and you're making me sound kind of smart here. I've been telling everybody about Adam Troutman and how I feel like he could be a real factor in here. Looks like he maybe wasn't getting as many opportunities, but when he was getting those opportunities, a very good football player, not just as a receiver, but also in the blocking game. Um, so I do think he might be a, a big factor for the team. Um, you mentioned uh, Marquez Callaway. It'll be, I, I did not – I haven't heard a lot of people talk about him. It'll be interesting to have the, the battle of the Marquezes between the Packers and the, and the Saints, but that'll definitely be a guy to keep an eye on. I'm curious what you think about uh, Deontay Harris. I had meant, heard somebody mention him as a uh, mostly a, ret- a real good return guy, but also somebody that could threaten in this game. I believe they were talking about him as, as, a, as a sort of speedster deep threat. Not sure if that's entirely true. But um, somebody else was mentioning that he may be a factor in here. What do you think about Deontay Harris? Well, he, he's really interesting because you're absolutely right. He was an all-pro return man his rookie season. Uh, last year battled some injuries, and he was supposed to have a little bit of a bigger role in the offense. And uh, there's a couple national media guys that said, well, size and speed and being able to take the top off, maybe a guy like Tyreek Hill who can eventually develop into a guy who knows the entire route tree, but he's really just like go route, play action, post routes, et cetera. Like I said, last year, we didn't get to see a whole lot of it simply because he was hurt. This year, we fully expected him to be suspended the first two weeks of the season uh, for DUI earlier in the summer, blowing three times the legal limit. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if the NFL just simply forgot all about that and brushed (laughs) it under the rug, but he's not at this point suspended uh, for any part of the season. So I think he could. I think that the interesting thing is – you started getting those reps with Drew and then you got hurt. And now you're going to have to start getting those reps with Jameis and a completely different quarterback, a completely different arm strength. He's just got a lot of ground to make up uh, simply because he hasn't played that position at the NFL level. He was great in college as a little slot receiver. I mean, he's not that big. He's like five, five, nine in cleats, maybe. Yeah. I would Um, say he's listed at five, six, one seventy here. He's a small guy. Uh, He's got a lot of breakaway speed, obviously with the return aspect of his game. uh, He knows how to just come. Once he gets the ball in his hands, he's able to read and he's able to go. Uh, He's super agile. I think he could make a really good receiver. I just think he has a lot of ground to make up, but he's going to be relied on because the Saints are really slim at receiver this year. And that's not a position they really addressed. And I thought they really would this offseason, especially letting Emmanuel Sanders go. And the Saints said, hey, we like what we have in the building. So that's been a big question mark for Saints and Saints fans. And we'll have to just see how it unfolds, especially not having Michael Thomas. Yeah, and I I think one of the the factors, and as a fantasy guy, maybe you can speak to this, but I know one of the things that they were talking about is keep an eye on the speedsters now that we got a quarterback that's got a cannon and likes to launch it down the field. So I think that was one of the factors. I want to quickly move on to offensive line before we take a break, and then we'll we'll talk defense and we'll get out of here and watch some football. But – um, we know you guys have some real good tackles over there. Um, I'm just curious about the interior. Uh, I know PFF is not a huge fan. You've also got a couple guys that are really young, though. So primarily, I'm curious about Cesar Ruiz, uh, who was drafted in the first round of 2020, as well as Eric McCoy, who's a 2019 second-round pick. They're very young guys. Um, I'm just curious if there's any word on, on growth or optimism or anything like that. How are you feeling about this offensive line, specifically the interior? Yeah, so I think you have to throw Andrus Pete in there as well, who right. had a massive contract extension, but he's played up and down. He's been a pro bowler, but he's he's been a big headache because he's one of those guys where it's the one or two mistakes that really cost you a football game. You can go back to the 2019 uh, playoff game against Minnesota. I mean, 
uh, the Saints offensive line, the interior of the offensive line is what's lost them that game. So they go out and they get uh, Cesar Ruiz and Eric McCoy. Let's just talk about him for a second. He's really grown to be one of the best centers in the league. And what was really interesting was Cesar Ruiz was drafted with the intention of playing center. Uh, and he had to battle out Eric McCoy, both those guys interchangeable between center and guard. And it was fully expected that Ruiz would come in, win the center job and McCoy would kick out. But McCoy had such a good camp last year that he ended up winning out the starting center role. And if you guys want to go back, uh, you guys end up winning the game. But if you want to go back and see that 52 yard touchdown by Alvin Kamara in the Superdome last season, it was Eric McCoy, the center who sprinted out in front of Kamara to clear out some of that path and, you know, the midst of him breaking five or six tackles, but McCoy's super athletic, super smart. He's growing to be one of the best young tackler or best young centers in football. Um, I think Cesar Ruiz is the biggest question mark. Uh, when you talk about those two, like I guess at Andrus Pete, he's one, he, he's a really solid guard. Saints fans give him a lot of crap uh, because it's those, like I said, those one or two big moments in the game uh, where he just gets beat and, and there's no way to cover it up. He just gets beat out one-on-one and it's a sack or it's a, it's a hurried throw on third down, but Cesar Ruiz has to grow a lot. Um, after losing that positional battle at center, I don't think a lot of people expected him to be a plug and play at guard. I think a lot of people expected him to sit back and that was the plan, but due to injuries, here comes Cesar Ruiz uh, having to come in and play right guard for the saints. It's a positional change. And, and no matter, no matter where you played, how you played, what conference, what team you played for in college, and he's from from one of the best in the country at Michigan. Making a positional change in the NFL is difficult, uh, but Ruiz has a lot of potential. He's got really good feet, but he's just got to learn, uh, and that might be a, a point to expose against New Orleans in week one if you're Green Bay. Maybe go after the young guy. Uh, I think Eric McCoy is super solid. I think Ruiz uh, poses a couple more question marks, but I know the the front office and the coaching staff really confident in what he can bring. And um, like you said, the tackles are so good that if the interior of the line can be decent, you're looking at one of the best offensive lines in football. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, we'll talk a little bit more with Mr. Brendan Boylan. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. 
That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Took a little extra long pause there because I wanted to bring up the football game. All right. <laughs> no worries. So um, one thing that we completely skipped over because we, again, we covered so much ground, I completely forgot about it. running back. Obviously, mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara is um, the focal point here, but I'm very, very curious about the fact that you guys cut Latavius Murray. Um, not even so much for Latavius Murray, but what that means for Alvin Kamara, because, you know, when you got a guy like Latavius, it's very similar to what the Packers have with, Aaron Jones, but also having either Jamal Williams or um, A.J. Dillon now to kind of cut those carries a little bit because you don't want a guy like Aaron Jones or Alvin Kamara taking 18, 19, 20 snaps in a game. So you got Latavius kind of taking the brunt. They maybe split carries, but then you can kind of use Alvin a little bit more with the receiving and, kind of, you know, more versatility that way. I'm just curious what the game plan is coming in. If you want to run the ball 23 times, who's, who's going to be getting those carries uh, because I can't imagine you're going to put that all on Alvin Kamara's back. No. Um, and I was really surprised myself that Latavius got cut. I've been put on record saying that his two years in New Orleans, he was the most underrated running back in Very football good. because of just how versatile he was. And to your point, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't running back one and two. It was really running back A and B. And it's been that way in New Orleans for a long time. You go all the way back to when Sean Payton, first got to New Orleans, it was what? It was Deuce McAllister and Reggie Bush. And then it became Pierre Thomas and Reggie Bush. And you can go all the way down. Darren Sproles, um, Chris Ivory, Mark Ingram. There was all running backs by committee. Um, So to see Latavius get cut was a big surprise. But I don't know if it was so much Latavius had a bad camp and a bad preseason, which he did, or how good Tony Jones Jr., second-year undrafted guy out of Notre Dame, was. You go back and you watch – the film and you watch the tape of week one of the preseason up at Baltimore, he was phenomenal. Uh, Ran for over 84 yards. Kamara sat out that game. Uh, Latavius had, I think, seven carries for like seven yards, a really poor performance. But here comes Tony Jones Jr. against the Baltimore Ravens front seven, which is arguably the best in football year in and year out. Uh, And he just did what he had to do. He really earned the roster spot. Because we thought, oh, Tony Jones, he might be a guy who we also, honestly, myself, some other guys over at Sports Illustrated and Saints News thought he's going to be a bubble guy. He's going to make the the practice squad probably because the Saints' third running back is Dwayne Washington, who is phenomenal on special teams. And that's the reason he makes the roster year in and year out. It's not so much the fact that he's a running back. It's because of what he brings uh, to the special teams portion. So, we didn't know what the deal was with Tony Jones Jr. And he came in and he balled out and he earned that spot. And to your point, you know, Latavius got exactly 156 carries, I believe, in both years in New Orleans, put up similar numbers, uh, somewhere around 650 to 700 yards a year, five rushing touchdowns. His first year in New Orleans, four rushing touchdowns. His second year in New Orleans, that's all Tony Jones now. Now, I know there's some fantasy people that say, oh, Tony Jones is going to be a guy to, to handcuff and, and potentially play as a flex option. I wouldn't go that far unless your league is, like, very deep. Yeah. But I think he's going to be a productive guy in New Orleans. He's going to be the guy that gets the, the Latavius carries, the guy you could line up in the backfield while Kamara splits out. Uh, and he's a big-bodied guy. He reminds me, in terms of the build, a lot like Mark Ingram and some of his prime years in New Orleans – maybe a little bit more speed than Mark. 
Uh, but, man, he's going to be a bruiser between the tackle guy. I think he's underrated with his hands out of the backfield. Uh, but that's going to be your guy. And I think Latavius Murray is going to be a really intriguing free agent for a lot of yeah. teams. I look at a team like Baltimore. Yeah, I know they just got Le'Veon Bell and uh, Devontae Freeman, who spent the offseason or the preseason with the New Orleans Saints. Both those guys signed to the practice squad. But with the with the amount of injuries that Baltimore has at that position, I could definitely see them bring a guy like Latavius in. I think he'd be a really good fit. So switching over to the defense, I want to start with cornerback because that's been a major storyline for you guys. Uh, I want to just read this uh, tweet. I believe it was Ian Rappaport uh, on the compensation update. Texans are trading cornerback Bradley Roby to the Saints today in exchange for a 2022 third round pick and a conditional pick in 2023 per sources. Texans paid $7 million of Roby's, Roby's salary this season and Saints will pay the remaining $1.8 million. So um, first of all, it's got to be kind of a relief seeing the uh, the amount of money that you guys are paying. That's that's pretty good, even though the third round pick is maybe a little bit higher than you were expecting. But the, the cornerback group in general is sort of an anomaly for me. Um, and I don't know exactly how you guys feel about it in terms of comfort level. And I think that it all starts for me with Marshawn Lattimore. Coming out of college, I was unbelievably, like everybody else, enamored with the guy. He comes out as a rookie and was absolutely phenomenal. I haven't been watching, obviously, as closely as you have, but I can click on his PFF grades and see a sharp decline every single year for four straight years. Um, what exactly is going on with Marshawn Lattimore, and, and do you expect for any reason a, a bounce back from him? So you got to be par- careful, really careful <laughs> with P, uh, pro football focus. I, I understand. Everybody does, and – they have a phenomenal algorithm, but just like any algorithm, there's flaws to it. Now, Marshawn, since his rookie season where he won Defensive Rookie of the Year, he's been targeted less. But I will say this about Marshawn Lattimore, and he's even admitted it himself. Sometimes when he goes up against a big receiver, and the one that the Saints fans like to use because they were just – head-to-head all these years has been Mike Evans. Mm -hmm. You look at Mike Evans, and Marshawn Lattimore has locked down Mike Evans. He's locked down Julio Jones. Sure. But then he'll go give up a huge game uh, to a guy that you've never heard of or what have you. Just, you know, a a guy that should not be beating a guy like Marshawn Lattimore. And I think it's a mental thing, and he's admitted that he will psych himself up to play against those big guys and come and ball out. Uh, and it's sometimes just not there. Maybe he overlooks some of the other opponents. But Marshawn Lattimore has always showed up in big games. And there was a big thing. Well, should Lattimore get paid? Should Marcus Williams get paid? Who should get paid uh, from that phenomenal draft class in 2017? And my argument is Marshawn Lattimore has never had a bad playoff game. He's always came up big in games where the Saints needed to win. Uh, but that that whole mentality and that turning it off against – guys that you don't think are quite up to your level of competition has to stop if he wants that uh, wants that big extension. Now, for the rest of the CBs, oh, it was a weird offseason because you cut Janoris Jenkins and Mickey Loomis came out and said, honestly, he wished that he could have found a way to keep Janoris on the roster. They just couldn't make it work financially. Uh, so that hurts too, especially when it's a guy that was really liked by the fan base. And then the GM comes out and goes, well, yeah, we would have liked to like to keep him too. It just didn't work out. But you had going into this week, obviously Bradley Roby's not going to play this week. Um, week two, probably get, get some good snaps. 
The Saints did sign Desmond Trufant. He was with the Atlanta Falcons for seven years. Um, don't know how much he's going to play, uh, especially only having about a week uh, with the playbook. You have Ken Crawley. He's on the injury report back-to-back days, Wednesday and Thursday. Some people remember him from 2017. He lined up across or opposite of Marshawn Lattimore in 2017, had this big breakout season, then took a nosedive in 2018, which forced the Saints to trade for Eli Apple. And then Ken Crawley bounced out and then came back. And he's just kind of been an NFL veteran that knows uh, the Saints defense. Paulson Adebo was a draft pick by the Saints over the summer. Uh, Third round pick sat out last year at Stanford for COVID-19. And honestly, if he had played, he probably would have been a a late first, early second round pick, but not seeing him on tape for a year really hurt his draft stock. Um, Paulson Debo could very well be the number two corner. And I know Aaron Rodgers is going to have a field day picking on a rookie that's still learning how to play that position. He's a converted wide receiver uh, to corner. So has great ball skills, uh, but he's a little bit handsy. But, you know, I would imagine Lattimore is going to shadow Adams the entire game and he's going to get his because Adams is a super super talented wide end but it's really going to be the guys it's going to be your second your third fourth options that are really going to beat the Saints if Green Bay ends up winning the game because they're going to be picking on a guy like Paulson Adebo uh, who's a rookie or a guy like Ken Crawley who has had his ups and downs in the league or a guy like Desmond Trufant that's only been on the roster for a week Yeah, I think um, picking on rookies is something Aaron Rodgers likes to do. Our first-round rookie, Eric Stokes, I believe, is currently in therapy right now for what he did to him in uh, training camp. He he picked on that poor guy so bad. I hope he can uh, get over that trauma and start at some point. Um, Safety, I don't feel there's there's a whole lot to cover here. You got some pretty good safeties. Would you agree? Yeah, Marcus Williams got franchise tags. Uh, I would still expect – And the only reason I don't think him and the Saints came to an agreement, apparently they were working uh, throughout the night before the deadline for extensions for guys that were franchise tag. They didn't come to an agreement. I'm sure the fact that the Saints are in cap hell uh, had a little bit to do with that. But he's one of the best best free safeties in football. Pro football focus grades him, I think, second out of all safeties since he came into the league in 2017. I know I just said you have to watch pro football focus, uh, but, but it's a good grading point. Uh, unfortunately for for Marcus he's always going to be remembered for the Minneapolis miracle unless he makes a big play for the Saints to you know win a big playoff game win an NFC championship what have you I think he's got it in him to be able to step up and move past all of that and he certainly has on the field but that's the only way that memory is going to go away uh, from a lot of people but he's super talented and you have Malcolm Jenkins who was a Saints first-round pick, uh, two-time Super Bowl champion, once with the Saints, once uh, with the Eagles. And, I mean, he's he's everything of solid that you want from a defensive captain. He was named the defensive captain along with uh, Cameron Jordan and Demario Davis this week. He's everything you want from a leadership standpoint, especially in a young and uh, questionable secondary. So, linebacker, there are quite a few changes here, but the, yeah. the one constant, you got Demario Davis, who is a fantastic football player, um, definitely somebody that I'm, I'm concerned about. But uh, it looks like I believe Zach Bond is going to be stepping up and, and kind of coming into that starter role, as well as Quan Alexander, um, who is pretty well known for being a very um, athletic and a, a big playmaker, um, while maybe somewhat inconsistent. He's still somebody that you got to watch out for. 
Uh, what, what's your comfort level with this kind of newer batch of linebackers you got? Well, you have to include Pete Warner as well. He was a second round pick out of Ohio State. Sure, uh, he yeah. was banged up throughout the preseason. So unfortunately, Saints fans did not really get to, the chance to see him in the preseason lineup uh, beside Demario Davis. And the fact that he was hurt really let Zach Vaughn, a third round pick uh, from two years ago, step up and prove, hey, he's learned enough. Uh, and we talked about Cesar Ruiz and being a transition piece and transitioning into uh, a new position in the NFL. A lot of Saints fans were ready to ride off uh, Zach Vaughn, who got drafted because he's listed at linebacker. But if you don't sit and watch the tape, you don't realize that he was a linebacker in a 3-4 that was playing the edge uh, that has had to learn how to move inside at the NFL level. Super athletic, obviously, when you play the edge position. Uh, and he's he's stepped up. He really has. I would not be surprised to see him start uh, next to Demario Davis. Comfort levels, uh, I don't know. I mean, anytime you give a guy your first NFL start against a guy like Aaron Rodgers, a future Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, even at the linebacker spot, he's not going to be making all the reads and all the calls. That's going to be DeMario, but you got to expect him to be in the right place at the right time. The encouraging thing for Saints fans that might give him a little bit of comfort is Quan Alexander said he's 100% a go for week one. I don't know how many snaps he's going to get. Remember, uh, he's only seven months removed from a full Achilles tear that he suffered on Christmas Day. Um, against the Minnesota Vikings. And that was the sixth touchdown uh, game for Alvin Kamara. But you look at what the Saints were able to do and how different the defense was once they traded for Quan Alexander at the deadline last year. Uh, it was it was a completely different team. Uh, and the fact that DeMario could do what he had to do when you then had the athleticism that you mentioned of Quan Alexander to go and do some of the things DeMario's not as good at, it was like a perfect, perfect tandem. And then Quan got hurt, and then Alex Anzalone steps into that position, and you could see the struggles the Saints had in Week 17 and then the two playoff games. So having that athleticism next to DeMario Davis is going to be huge. You get two options with Vaughn and Alexander. But you're a little nervous, uh, not just Week 1, but throughout the season because, like I said, Vaughn, new position, first year at that position at the NFL level. And then with Quan Alexander, I mean, Achilles tears – are different for everyone. But nine times out of 10, you never quite get back to the same level that you were prior to the tear. But I think Quan Alexander is still a great quality linebacker for New Orleans. And the fact that they were able to snag him on a, on a cheap one-year deal to come back and just see what he has left in the tank, I think is a really good fit for a team that really fell in love with him last year. Another position that you guys that that's pretty straightforward, I think, is is the edge rushers that you got. Cam Jordan, obviously a very talented guy. Marcus Davenport, a very young, talented, and ascending guy. Is there anybody else we should probably be keeping our eyes on? I can see from the snap counts, it looks like you guys rotate quite a bit. Um, who else along the edge uh, might be kind of making an appearance and making an impact in the game? Well, I think Peyton Turner's a guy to look out for, the first-round pick. Um, a big surprise first-round pick because not a lot of people had him graded right. that high. Um, but Sean Payton loves him and he's a big, massive dude, uh, really infectious smile. I know he won saints fans over really quick, uh, just with his personality. I'm not sure how, how many snaps he's going to get. I'm not sure exactly what to expect from him because apparently he had a good camp, but he was hit with the injury bug a little bit as well. I would say the one name and he's a rotational piece. He's not a guy that's going to sit there and, and play 50, 60, 70% of your defensive snaps. He's going to come in particularly 
um, in third and long situations when you know you're throwing the football and the Saints like to throw uh, a lot at guys. Um, one of my favorite things that the Saints do on third and long is they just eliminate defensive tackles. And they stand up four, um, and they also stand the linebackers in in the A-gap, and some guys drop and some guys come, and you never know what's going to happen. But you have four edge rushers uh, coming at a guy plus linebackers or or corners or whatever Dennis Allen decides to scheme up. But I would look for uh, Carl Granderson. He's going to be wearing number 96. Uh, had a really, really good offseason, and he was a guy that was questionable to make the team as well because of the depth at the edge spot. He made the team because of the offseason. He's a longer and lengthier than any other of the Saints edge rushers. Um, you look at a guy like Davenport or uh, Turner or Jordan, they're a little more stocky. Uh, and they can hit you with that bull rush, and so can Granderson. But like I said, he's a little bit more lengthy, mm-hmm. and he's going to be able to to hit some guys with some spins and some swims, um, opposed to those those bull rushing moves. So I definitely watch out for a guy like him. Finally, the one position that, it, from from my vantage point, seems to be possibly the biggest concern, and that's the defensive line. Um, I was looking at comparing last year's defensive line to this defensive line, and when you factor in the various reasons why people are missing, whether they got cut, cap casualties, injuries, suspensions, whatever. It looks like the uh, what would have been possibly the number five defensive tackle last year is now the starting defensive tackle this year. There have been quite a few guys leaving. Um, uh, Shy Tuttle, I believe, is going to be, and, and seemingly a good football player, but still um, a massive upgrade in, in him being there. You brought in uh, Montrevious Adams, former Green Bay Packer, that uh, I don't think any of us over here overly concerned with what, what is, I, I keep saying this, but generally speaking, what is, what is the comfort level or concern level uh, along this defensive line? I think it's a big concern. Uh, lost Sheldon Rankins to the jets this off season. He was a former first round pick. Yeah. And, uh, he was a guy who battled some injuries, came back and played really well for the saints. David Onyemata got a big contract extension last year, earned every penny of it last year. He's suspended for performance enhancing drugs through the first six weeks of the season. So excuse me, uh, not to have him really hurts. Shy Tuttle, though, didn't play a whole lot of snaps last year. His rookie year uh, did, and, and he was really impressive, uh, undrafted free agent, and really found a home in New Orleans. I think the concern level is there because the Saints uh, have ranked in the top five in rush defenses over the last few years, and when you eliminate the key part of a rush defense in the interior of the defensive line, you don't know. What's yeah. going to happen? You're facing a really, really talented running back. We already alluded, not just Jones, but but Williams and Dylan as well. Uh, they're just a talented trio. And you know that uh, all three of those guys can run between the tackles and AJ Dylan, especially could be a bruising type of a guy. Uh, so I think the concern levels are there. I think the comforting thing uh, for Saints fans is that it's not like you're throwing guys that do not know the system in there. Uh, yeah, they're young. But at least these, are, these aren't guys you're just picking up off the street in this offseason hoping that it's going to work out. They're guys that have been here, uh, have played some meaningful uh, NFL snaps. Uh, and it's just about proving that they still belong in this league. And the fact that the Saints didn't make a big move or try to get uh, some of the big-name defensive tackles that were out in free agency I think speaks to the confidence that this team has with what's in the building. All right. So one final thing we got to do. Let me get a prediction for you for this game. Um, 
Packer fans are fairly confident, but but I think there is some hesitancy out there in terms of, uh, well, first of all, Vegas is only putting about three or four points on this. What, what do you think? You, th- you think the Saints might take it, or what do you got on this game? Well, let me start here, uh, and I have to applaud Aaron Rodgers for even saying it uh, in, a, uh, in his press conference, was that the fact that he doesn't have to go against a Superdome crowd back-to-back yeah. years, um, it, it does wonders. Right. Last year, it was, I think, only 3000 people were admitted at that point because of COVID-19. And our beat writer, uh, John Hendricks, who's fantastic, said that he will never, ever get used to a quiet Superdome. It was just weird the entire season. Um, But you don't have that. You didn't have that last year. Then because of uh, the events of Hurricane Ida, obviously, the game's being played in Jacksonville and Apparently the saints did some research and saw how Aaron Rodgers performed in Florida. I don't know how much I really want to dig into that because that that's a whole bag of bag of worms that I just don't feel like diving into uh, trying to compare numbers and whatnot. But I think the saints have a chance. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer than some people think it is. I don't think the Packers are going to go run away with this game by any means. Um, But I think, I also think this, and it's having covered the team for as long as I have and knowing um, that the Saints really are the heartbeat of New Orleans. And when you have a community that goes through what they just did, um, and I don't know if the media has really done a good enough job of displaying and showing how catastrophic that storm was yeah. and the fact that it was, what, 16 years to the date of Hurricane Katrina. I think there's just a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, and a lot of people that are um, still recovering and will still be recovering from that. Uh, so this Sunday is going to be a really good opportunity to kind of unite a community. And I know the Saints know how to do that well. So you also have to remember, though, they're not playing in the Superdome. They're playing with a lot of weight on their shoulders uh, to bring a victory back to the city. So I'm actually going to take the Saints in this one. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a super high scoring game. Uh, I think it'll be a quality scoring game, but I don't think either team uh, gets past like 35 points. So I'm going to say the Saints win it uh, 31 to 28. I'm not sure if it's going to be a last second field goal because that's a position we haven't talked about, but the Saints don't know who their kicker is. Um, And there's no kicker on the roster as of right now. Uh, You have a kicker on the practice squad. And obviously with the rules that are going to be in place this year, similar to last year, you can bring them up three times from the practice squad before he has to get signed to the active roster. But there's some concern there because of uh, Will Lutz going to be missing some time with an injury and he's been super consistent for the saints, Uh, but I'll take the saints 31, 28. I think Aaron Rodgers has a heck of a game. Uh, But I think just with a new era starting in new Orleans, I think there is a little bit of question marks of what to expect. And I think Sean Payton has a thing or two up his sleeve. That's pretty. I, I think I had it uh, 35 28 Packers, if I'm not mistaken. So we're, we're in similar territory. But Brendan, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. It's been fun. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with the podcast and everything else you got going on. I, you know, been working at this for quite a while. I know how hard it can be. And I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, excited to see the uh, accomplishments that you've been able to achieve. It gives me hope. <laughs> hey, it's, it's a long journey, uh, it's a long ride. But man, it's it's a boatload of fun. And when your heart's in it, uh, when you get to cover a great organization, I have to applaud the Green Bay Packers and everything that that they are and and that they will continue to be. Uh, When you cover a team and an organization as good as we have it, uh, it makes life so much easier. You have a great night, man. I appreciate it. Are you too, Ryan? Thanks. Bye.